0: The Kimes Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet, you get with Caesar Rewards. Must be twenty-one or older. Welcome back to the Kimes Show featuring Lenny, only NFL podcast. One of the hosts thinks counter is where Mom keeps his treats. That's Lenny. I'm Kimes. I am joined. Oh, sweet. Thank you. Bye. As usual the one and only Dominique Foxworth, host of the Dominique Foxworth Show, frequent collaborator of mine. Uh, Dominique, there was no Monday Night Football this week, so we have, we're we going to double up on winners and losers. We're going to bounce around the league. There's a lot to talk about. Um, I'll just get right into it. Your first winner, I think, is probably everybody's winner from the weekend, and it is
1: Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson won the MVP this weekend and the Dolphins was supposed to be a test for the Ravens, another test for the Ravens, a letdown game after another big test that they dominated. And you know what? They went and dominated this one from start to finish. And with, uh, I mean, there's a constant, it's funny the Lamar Jackson conversation, it, 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 there's always somebody there to give us the one thing that we want, so that we can go and act crazy about it. Where he's like, he's not a quarterback, he's not a quarterback. He's like, all right, anybody who's still saying anything like that is probably not worth paying attention to. But he uh, threw for five touchdowns and was as unbelievable as he has been for much of this season. So it was, it's, and it was also about the defense, which has been all season long. That defense is even without. Kyle Hamilton been dynamic and flexible and confusing and complicated and slowed down Uh, one of the offenses that we thought was or one of the teams that had a rushing attack and a passing attack that we thought could be a problem for opponents in the playoffs. It might be a problem for other opponents, but it wasn't a problem for Baltimore.
0: Well, not just down Kyle Hamilton. Marlon Humphrey went out early in this yeah. game. They didn't have Brandon Stevens. Like, they were pulling up guys from the practice squad. Uh, and and granted, they were helped by the fact that they jumped out to a lead, which uh, is more important against Miami than uh, some certain other teams in the NFL. It's important against all the shanahan offenses, you know, for oh. reasons I'm sure our listeners know um, in terms of what they can do with the run in the pass when they're not falling behind. Incredible performance by the defense, taking away some of the Dolphins' core concepts, the w- closing the windows that Tua likes to throw into. But this was the Lamar game, and and you said something at the top, you know, like I felt a little bit bad going after the quarterbacking <laughs> tweet because yeah. it does it, you know, one, it's like whatever, you know, but it is worth noting, it was only this last offense that. Teams made it known they weren't pursuing, so it's not like yeah we're singling out. Oh, everybody believes in Lamar Jackson. There was just this one bad take or straw manning. Like there, you know, I have heard bad takes about him consistently, and I think throughout his NFL career. And I think what what is so cool about this game, the last two games, the offense in general right now, watching it is. It's for years, people who defended Lamar Ravens fans were saying, if you just gave him a normal offense, if you just had normal, not even elite wide receivers, a normal wide receiver group. If you just had a passing attack where receivers weren't running into each other (laughs) that threatened to spread the field, we're telling you this guy, he is a smart and savvy manager of the pocket. He can make all the throws uh, but you didn't have that test case until now, and now you have it, and it's pretty glorious. I, I think what struck me, Dominique, watching them in this game, watching him lately, is they just threaten the entire field in a way yep. that was not the case, and it's simple as that. Like they can, they just you have to defend everything against them.
1: I'd be interested in knowing like how their operations in game operations go, um, because your point we often give credit to the coordinators when an offense is effective and they deserve it. Todd Munker deserves a ton of credit or we give credit to a quarterback and Lamar deserves a bunch of credit. But the point that you're making is one that maybe it's my brain is not strong enough to manage all these things at once, but you have to make a conscious effort. And maybe this is just me spitballing. I have no reason to believe this, but Maybe it comes into how they group the plays on the play sheet for play calling, because most of the time you group the plays by situation. So these are our first and 10 plays. These are uh, our third in three to six plays. These are this, that's how you group them on your play sheet. But the point that you're making uh, or the point, the thing that you brought up that made me think about this is it feels like in every game, it's very strategic as they're like, all right we'll do this. Let's remind you, like in the first half, let's remind you that we can do this. Let's remind you that we can do this. And for those who are just listening, I'm pointing to different areas of the field by pointing on the screen. Oh, let's not forget that we got this guy too. And it feels like that through the course of a game where it's not like we're just going to do what works. And that's what it felt like the offense was like before. was like, we found something that's really good. It works. Let's keep doing this. Then we're going to throw to Mark Andrews. And then we're going to keep doing this. But now it's like, all right, over here, over there, that, that, that. In the course of the game, they are in there ahead of the defense in that, all right, last time we were in this situation, not only did we run this play, but we attacked this area of the field. We're going to attack this area of the field and this weakness because we anticipate that you're going to adjust in this way. I'm sorry if it seems like like amorphous to talk about in abstract, but it's pretty amazing and impressive.
0: I think from a, like, you know, 10,000 foot view, what you're describing is the difference between being like, this is our identity. This is what we do. We're just going to keep doing it. And hopefully it works because we're really good at it, which was what the Ravens were for four years, versus matchup football, uh, which is something that I think. Um, You know, really, really great teams tend to have in the playoffs, especially when you play different kinds of defenses who can do different things and have different weaknesses. This game, I think, is a really good example of that, Dominique, because um, you know the Ravens were down, but the 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 Dolphins also lost a lot of players, and and there's some really crucial runs, obviously with Bradley Chubb done for the season. But you know, Xavier Howard goes out in this game, and I think previous iterations of the Ravens defense wouldn't have been, or probably offense wouldn't have been able to say, okay, great, Xavier Howard's out, let's. Let's go after Eli Apple. Oh, you're weak at linebacker. We're going to throw on Duke Riley. Todd Munkin, because, like, you can't attack matchups unless you have players to take advantage of them. And the fact hey. that they have like four legitimate pass-catching options, including Justice Hill, by the way, who was really good at catching the football. That matters a lot, I think, right. in the absence of Keaton Mitchell, too. Uh, he looked pretty explosive on the ground. But you have all of these weapons at your disposal in a way they simply did not before.
1: Right, you have the players and you have the plays. I think sometimes when you come into a game, and uh, I'm sure that offenses are able to call on plays that they didn't have in the game plan this week, but they didn't even have those plays in the game plan any week. So in the, in previous seasons, so when you find a weakness or one exposes itself through the course of the game, and you can shift and change those things, and that's the difference in the offense they had before and the one they had now. And also, what put on top of it is your point is right. What I think we talk about identity with football teams, and I think it's important to get good at something first. But this is about building on what you've already established, because if this was all new, I think it probably wouldn't work nearly as well. If everybody's new to this and our identity is adjust to whatever they're giving us, that's a lot harder to do. But no. The Baltimore identity has been there. You could argue it's been there since before Harbaugh was there. Like the identity is there. The identity of this offense has been there for several years, MVP-level quarterback. And so now you get to a graduate-level course or a yeah. doctorate-level course where you've already established what your foundation is.
0: And if there's a through line, and there there are a lot, a few through lines, like we talk about this offense, oh, they're spreading things out. They're in 11 personnel now. They have actual wide receivers. Patrick card is still on the field on everybody guys and he is blocking he's catching this one uh, but he is blocking and, and so it's not like a completely you know what I mean The it, it when I we, we talk about you know I talk about identity they still have a strong identity this is still a team that uses a fullback it's still a team that has QB run and, and then still has a team that I think um uses the middle of the field but but it, it's it's not they just they don't they can't only do those things in a way that that was the case
1: before. Patrick Ricard is still getting bigger. Like I feel like he's still growing. <laughs> I feel like every season he seems like 10, Yay. 15 pounds larger than he was the year before.
0: Um can I just make one last Raven's point before we move on? Um, which is this. I want I want to get your thoughts on this. Normally not normally, but a lot of the times we give Coach of the Year to the guy who surpassed expectations. It's why D'Amico Ryan's and Shane Steichen, I think, are kind of the front runners at the moment. Kevin Stefanski in the mix as well for the way he's gone through. But I do think you can make a serious case for Harbaugh as for being dominant. This year, like, okay, sometimes you give it to this, but what if we give it to the yeah. guy who did a phenomenal job coaching the best team? Here's a few reasons. I mean, the Ravens have been dominant. You can DVOA, uh, point differential. One that really jumps out to me is uh, the time they've spent with a lead, which is not just the, at the top of the NFL. It's at the top of the NFL by a lot 11 and a half hours with a lead, less than two hours trailing. That's more than a full hour less than the San Francisco 49ers, uh, mm-hmm. who are in second place. So there's one thing, dominance, number two, nailed the coaching hires. You have the best defensive coordinator in football right now in Mike McDonald, Todd Munkin. Uh, You know, that was – we we talk about moving on from Greg Roman like it was the easy decision. It was still a good offense, uh, and it had to be done in a way. I think when we look around at some of the other coaches who have not moved on from guys, I think he deserves credit for that. Three, they actually have been pretty injured this season. Like right now it looks great, but, you know, you got the Mark Andrews injury, you lose J.K. Dobbins before the season – a lot of the defensive players were out earlier in the year. OBJ and Bateman were out earlier in this year, so it's not like they've had, uh, you know, a completely easy ride. And then finally, like it was an unbelievably chaotic offseason okay. ahead of the draft. Can you have imagined that the Ravens would be in the position now? I think he handled it really well. I remember him being asked about it at the combine or whatnot. Uh, so I just think, you know, it's That's- worth considering.
1: No, that's an incredibly interesting point. It's, it's, um, we normally give the MVP to a team that is the best, and we give coach of the year to a team that surprises. And we should broaden that, uh, that, uh, I guess parameter because I think you're right. And the only time you get coach of the year is if you are like, you only lose one game, like if you get it for success. I, yeah, I, my thought on that is you're right. We should consider that. And once you pile all this stuff up, and I think also the expectations is an interesting point. Just because we expect you to do well doesn't mean that once you actually do, and I don't think anyone expects, like I, I picked the Ravens to get to the Super Bowl before the season started. Did I think they were going to be this good? No. Like they still um, surpassed our expectations. And when you put it the way you did about all the injuries that they had, I think in the preseason issues, in the coordinator change and moving on, from the coordinator. It it feels like we want to give the credit to the coach, but it also feels like the quarterback kind of made that decision. (laughs) Like it kind of felt a bit like the quarterback had made that decision.
0: Well, I think everything they did was catered around the quarterback in a way that really seemed unlikely, right? Back in Uh the spring. But when you look at the signing of the wide receivers, OBJ, a lot of people, myself included, I was like, Oh, they overpaid OBJ. But if it took all of that, who by the way looks great now, obviously, who's just hurt, but if it took all of that to make Lamar happy, bring him back and set this up, it was clearly all worth it. So, anyways, Baltimore Ravens, the year's not over, but congratulations on clearly being the best team in the NFL. Um, I have another uh, winner that I'd like to throw out that we don't spend a ton of time on, and they're not even coming off of a particularly good game, but the Los Angeles Rams. I just haven't talked about them much. Speaking of great coaches, my God, Sean McVeigh, uh, what a season. Also, GMs, less need. They went from F them yeah. picks to reloading because yeah. this draft looks like an absolute slam dunk from obviously Nakua, who's unbelievable, but Kobe Turner, Byron Young, Steve Avila, a guard. Um, I think what's, you know, elite offense, obviously, but the fact that this defense has looked as competent as they have. Finishing 22nd in DVOA, but that's better than Seattle, which has invested so much on that side of the ball. I, it's just a really, really impressive season and a really, really, I mean, they've really dramatically surpassed expectations.
1: And I, I imagine that the the reason why they're low is more because early in the season than it is late in the season. I'm not 100% yeah. sure, but it seemed like to me they're playing better on defense later in the season. This Though they won the game, this is not the week to call them winners, but I think you're right <laughs> that they deserve it. So we will call them that because yeah. um, my man Matthew was – was having flashbacks. He was throwing they some, some. They rough... come in
0: clusters for Matt. Yeah, he was
1: having. Yeah, he was having some rough passes, and I will say, like, they have a running attack that seems to be uh, pretty solid. And uh, like, watching them find an uh, exceptional receiver in Puka Nakua, and then use him to iso block, blows my mind. I'm not going to pretend pretend like I'm smarter than than a football coach, but I'm not doing that with a guy who uh, is position to at least be our number one receiver going forward, but Puka does a good job with it, and it's the last thing about Puka that I have is it feels like on this show it just hit me that I come every time we talk about the Rams, I comment on Puka being faster than I thought he was. In this particular game, my man Puka got walked, and I was very sad I said Puka broke on down the sideline. He got walked down like three yards from the end zone. Okay. Poor pooky
0: I know, but it it is unbelievable. Yeah. Who didn't catch another (laughs) cup?
1: How did they find another Cooper cup?
0: How did they find another Cooper cup? I'm so mad. (laughs) (laughs) So unfair. It's impressive.
1: It's impressive. You like what you like, I guess. You just just like what you like.
0: Well, but, you know, I think um, you can point to the class, but they've developed all these guys. I mean, from, you know, from Puka to the defensive lineman, again, they really deserve done under credit, like for um, putting them in a position to succeed. And then also like, you know, the, the rapid, like right now, um, just who all these young players are relative to the beginning of the season is, is pretty impressive. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, we're, it looks like we're looking at Rams lions potentially right in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, that's gonna be a really tough one for me. Gosh, Stafford, yeah. oof.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, a, I mean, I guess the battle, offensive coordinators running the ball against each other and play action and each other's linebackers into oblivion. Um, the the Lions had a pass rush that was nice because that's been my yeah. big criticism. Why I don't believe the, Ryan, the Lions are going to make any noises. They, it's I know dangerous. we're not talking about the Lions now, but it's like not only the defense generally, but it's. The quarterbacks, man, if you – yeah, I mean, Stafford – or not Stafford. Um, C- Goff's the perfect example is if you cannot get pressure, you turn Jared Goff into a really good quarterback. If you can consistently get pressure and cause it, the offense to adjust, that makes you – yeah, like it makes life a lot easier for everyone else.
0: That's going to be interesting. Aaron Donald versus the interior of that offensive line. Uh. We'll talk about it when we get there. Uh, yeah, I got to ponder that a bit. Um, you know, I mentioned them as a, in comparison to the Rams defense. Let's talk about the Seahawks really quickly. That was one of the more embarrassing. We're going to actually get to probably the most embarrassing defensive performance of the season, in my opinion. But this was up there. Um, let's see. The hundred and thirty two rushing yards after contact. That's the second most Pittsburgh has had since ESPN started tracking the stat. Uh, A failure of tackling at all three levels. There's no one culprit in this game. Uh, But also, I think um, it's worth stepping back a little bit. This defense has been a massive problem, especially the second half of the season. Ranks near the bottom of the NFL in just about every metric. To your eye, Dominique, do you feel it? Do you believe it's a talent issue, a coaching issue, invested in the wrong spots issue? Like what is the major issue with this defense to you?
1: Well, I mean, the tough thing with situations like this is it's never an easy answer. I think some teams you can point to and say it's one thing. Group... uh, I, I don't know, like watching Tariq Woolen get stiff armed into next week was like emblematic of what was happening into in that game. And he's a good player. They have players who I think are good. And then whenever you see Jamal Adams out there, it's always like, man, I, w- I always rem- remember the trade. And it's like you don't make that type of trade for a player that's that's uh, not a defensive transformer and like not even to get into his negatives or his drawbacks, it's like it doesn't feel like he changes the the defense. And that's a lot to move for a guy who um, I don't feel better or worse, depending on whether he's on the field or not. And that's that's tough. When your big-time guys are not making a difference, the people you have invested in are not making a difference, that's also part of the problem.
0: Yeah, I think it, it is. that's a good way of capturing it. The, they've put a lot of resources into – Players that have not panned out on that side of the ball. I mean, they didn't, you know, take a pass, they've taken pass rushers in the second round. Boy Mafe's been pretty good, but you you like the big signing was Draymond Jones. He's been okay. Leonard Williams has been good, but like that trade was not worth it. You lost your second round yeah. pick for next year. The Adams trade, obviously a disaster. He's out for the season. Witherspoon's a really good player, but um, it's not enough. It's just not enough. And I think, um, you're seeing some of the veterans get older. Wagner in the middle has struggled in coverage all year long. Days when we talk tape, about it's just... yeah.
1: we talk about the Ravens dealing with all the injuries, and that's when the coaching comes into it. It's like it's possible, and I think we have to remind ourselves, or at least I have to remind myself, I shouldn't have to, but remind myself that everyone in the NFL is good. Like Sometimes we talk about some of these players like they're bad. There's some, when they're coming off of the college game, like I watch the college game, Well, like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's not his fault. He's just bad. And, you know, like some of the college guys just aren't good. You know, like some of them don't belong out there. But the NFL guys, there's nobody out there who's bad. And if the defense, no matter how many injuries, if the defense is just bad, like that to me feels like you can't explain it away with injury issues, because no one out there is just garbage like you should be able to coach around. Some of those things, at least to be mediocre, and they can't. And
0: they've been bad now for like four or five years. And Pete Carroll is a defensive coach. Um, I still think he's a good coach. What they did last season, he's made some good choices. But you can't. Yeah, at a certain point, you are what your record says you are. And the defensive record since the Legion of Boom has just been bad. It's just been. It's you know they we're talking about a top bottom ten defense. Um, and, 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 and it's so clearly the problem with this team. I tell me if I'm this is like a straw man or if whatever, I cannot fathom people thinking Geno Smith is the problem on this team, especially it, Okay. Maybe, maybe I'm, I don't want to like, oh, you know, but whenever the Seahawks struggle, people say, oh, they need a quarterback, whatever. I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. Do we watch the same game? Gino was yeah. tremendous Pittsburgh, that defensive line w- was dominating and his ability to move inside the pocket, manage pressure was tremendous. Some of the throws he made the to DK in the middle of the field. Outstanding. I've mentioned this before, but a stat that I keep bringing up with Gino, he's the third most pressured quarterback on third down. Russell Wilson and Sam Howell are in front of him. Those quarterbacks hold on to the football. That is why they're <laughs> so pressured on third down. Geno Smith does not. Uh, their struggles are not his fault. Maybe you know there's a couple mistakes here and there, but largely he's been very good this year. So I just yeah,
1: yeah. I, I felt like a, a statement framed as a question. I can't. I mean, I, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't think it's a straw man. Like I think that people generally when there's a struggle, like you want to go to the quarterback, especially when the quarterback doesn't have the, the pedigree or the history that some of the great ones have. So yeah, like Gino is not the problem. Gino has not made a tackle, you know, as not rushing the passer. That seems to be the big problems with this team. You know, along with those receivers have been able to have some really impressive games and also play well enough to, to win some games that they're not getting a chance to, make an impact. And like, I don't know, seeing Bobby Wagner out there, like he's still good. I don't think that's the thing. It's like when we look at this team, that's why I, I, the more we talk about it, the more I lean towards talking about coaching, because you look at this team, it's, they have talent, Like you know, like, I don't know between Williams, Wagner, Witherspoon, Woolen, like these are good football players. You know, I would think that you could put together something serviceable. And also the longevity of how stinky they've been for a long time. Like that's, that's an organization.
0: Well, like, I just think the contrast with the Rams is so glaring, frankly, Um, you know, and then, and talked about Sean McVay, Raheem Morris, who's their defensive coordinator has done a hell of a job this year. So, all right, let's take a quick break and talk about another defense uh, that's let's talk about the most embarrassing performance that I alluded to. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesar's Palace, all this can be yours when you bet with Caesar's Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using code OMAHAFULL, and then, place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. Keep those winnings. But if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and older only offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 plus wagers only. Must register with an eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to the account within seven days after qualifying wager settles see caesars.com slash promos for full terms void where prohibited know when to stop before you start gambling problem arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call one 800 522 4700 Indiana, call one 800 9 with it. Iowa, call one 800 bets off. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-stop. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call one 800 327 5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call one 800 270 7117 Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling one 800 gambler that's 1-800-426-2537 or in West Virginia visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net as you guys know NFL teams can make mistakes when it comes to spending money for example cover years Broncos fans Russell Wilson has a 53 million dollar cap hit this year (laughs) but uh, unlike the uh, Walton family I'm guessing people listening to this podcast don't have millions to spend maybe some of you do I don't know get at me but when it comes to a great shave You don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and they decided to do something better. They found their own way to make a beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. They have customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as $2, which is half of what you pay for big brands. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best does not mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at com slash M-I-N-A. That's harrys.com slash Mina for a $3 trial set.
2: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Mina Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel slash Mina Show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W.
0: Okay, uh, we're back, Dominique. This is uh, my other wolf. <laughs> I remember whose wolf this was?
1: does It's everybody's wolf.
0: This Eagles' loss has to be one of the worst of the year of any team. The defensive performance. The, the Cardinals didn't punt. We should start there. They had over thirty first downs in this game uh the tape is bad i think though what i want to ask you is uh is it unfixable is it a ta- are they just too devoid of are there too many issues personnel wise on that side of the ball to be fixed or is there anything um, you that like you felt like well this was a dubious choice by matt Patricia?
1: Um, no, I can't blame Matt Patricia as much as I would like to, like, he just got parachuted into a situation that was bad and it seemingly has gotten worse. I guess you could blame him, but it's not like he's ruining a good situation. The thing that's mind blowing to me is what happened to this D line. And that was what I had hoped would be the difference, or i had expected to be the difference for this team is, yeah, they lost some people, um, in the linebacker core and the secondary. However, those players, at least last year when I'm watching the games, those players did not seem to be the heart or the core of why this defense was good. Maybe I'm not appreciating how much impact they had. This team was good because it felt like no one could block them. That has seemed to change. The D-line does not get the same amount of pressure, but pressure wasn't the problem uh, in their game against the Cardinals. They couldn't stop the run. Which, I guess, is also on the D-line, in part. Not everybody. It just, yeah, it's,
2: not it, it's, yeah,
1: I don't know. It seems like um, they're just bad. <laughs> they
0: were getting bodied. Yeah. Because uh, when I saw the stat line, I was like, ooh, well, everyone knows the Eagles have no linebackers, so, uh-huh. you know, I was thinking, like, did they really attack? And they did. Poor Shaq Leonard. That was... Forty-one too, but yeah. the Cardinals were just well, coming out with two tight ends on the field and just bodying dudes. I mean, it was all kinds of runs, counter, duo, power. They were just every single Eagles player got pushed around in this game. It's not. It's when you when you give up that kind of performance. It's not just the linebackers. The cornerbacks were getting pushed around. The safeties were getting pushed around. The defensive line was getting pushed around. But the defensive line, I think, your your to your point is um you know that's where the investment on this team is and if if you can't it, it has to be really good to compensate for the issues in linebacker and then some of the injuries in the secondary and there it's not it's just not i don't know what you do i mean there were some things like there were a couple times where um they got redick in coverage when they came out with the two tight ends and i think that's probably Although it was kind of nice, it was like paying homage to how he was used in Arizona, I guess. <laughs> Back when he was an off-ball <laughs> linebacker. But yeah. um I don't I don't think there was like a structural fix for this. I don't. It's yeah. the, the structural fix is you uh, guys score more points.
1: Exactly. That was it. That was one of the questions that I had on my pre show for um get up was like, How do you fix the Eagles defense? And I was like, outscore your opponent. I don't know. know. That offense needs to be. Yeah, AJ Brown is how you fix the defense.
0: You can't waste any possessions, basically, because yeah. it's not. And, and you know, like you're not going to get past San Francisco with that defense unless you score a million points. Um, your winner. You had a. You had a tweet that actually I think sets this up, where you raised the harrowing possibility of Joe Flacco beating his old team.
1: Jeez. The, guy, uh, the Browns are my winner for the week because yeah. the game was a long time ago, so we might've forgotten about it, but it was, yeah, that possibility is a terrifying one. I grew up in Baltimore. I live in DC now, so I'm close enough to still. My son's a big Ravens fan. We're going to go to the game this week. Um, But the idea that are, Joe Flacco. I,
0: you see Tyler Huntley.
1: <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we um are going to see Tyler Huntley ball out. We went last, we went to, washington san francisco last week so as as i said earlier when so my parents have season tickets they still live close to baltimore and so we always go me and my son go to a game with them and so as evidence to uh, the fact that i wasn't lying that i didn't think the ravens were going to be this good when my son and i picked this rivalry matchup we were not anticipating that we we're going to see pro bowler tyler huntley helm but mm-hmm. i'll ask. what we got yeah, he might, but uh, okay, it's not wait,
0: nearly as how Okay, let's put yourself oh, the in Browns. the mindset of a Ravens fan. How scared are you of this Browns team?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. As scared as you possibly can be scared. Like, there's, no, there's nothing scarier than that Browns team because it's going to hurt that much more because of the familiarity with Joe Flacco. I do think that the Ravens fans know Joe very well, and they know him better than the Browns fans know him, so they probably have... I guess the the logic and rationale is out the window when you're emotionally invested. So they know that Joe Flacco can be uh, the reason why the is Flacco Elite conversations existed was because one week or one play you're like, "Damn. Only a couple guys in the league can pull that off." And then a couple plays later, a couple weeks later, you're like, "What what in the hell are you thinking?" And Joe Flacco is still that guy. We still see that with him in the Browns, but things are coming up positive, but I do think that the complications of the prior relationship is what's going to make this very stressful for Browns fans, or excuse me, for Ravens fans, should it come to pass. And then there's the history of the organizations, like the Ravens are the Browns, Mm. like the the Browns moved to Baltimore in, in 96 and became the Ravens, where they promptly went on to win a Super Bowl in 2001, when the Browns could never win a Super Bowl. There's like bad blood between these two uh working class cities.
0: It's also the best defense they'll probably play in the playoffs yep. if they, if this were to happen. Um which is scary. It's a yeah. you know, it's a very um specific kind of defense, it's very different from their defense. They're going to yeah. rush with four and man you up and um I th- I think the Ravens t- to our conversation at the top have a lot of answers for that. Yeah. uh now too i think they're already a different offense from who they were the last time they played and you know it's a constantly evolving thing but yeah it's it's frightening i mean i last week i talked about are the rams or the browns the team you don't want to play it was actually uh like a 50 50 poll uh which i thought was really, oh, really yeah uh it was such a cop-out post by me because i don't think there's a clear answer frankly um but i
1: mean i i think it's clearly the browns but maybe it's just prisoner of the moment yeah, I mean, because Miles Garrett, simply put, is Miles yeah. Garrett can destroy your entire game plan. And I don't think the Rams have uh somebody like that. I know. Um Aaron Donald, it feels disrespectful, but that's not the Aaron Donald that we've been seeing as of late. Aaron Donald is capable of being that, but we he's haven't seen
0: pretty. he's still pretty good. Well, yeah. Uh who's poor Moa him, is big if these teams play again. I actually was thinking about putting him on second team all pro. I'm a all pro voter and I was uh, my first two are Warner and Roquan. And then mm-hmm. I think I have maybe – or do I? Actually, I don't remember. I might be wrong. But I was looking at Osu Komro, like, he's mm, he's been the I, loved, I loved
1: him in the draft. I loved him. Even though he was undersized, like I just – the speed um, and athleticism for like modern football, he's one of those guys. And this is a recurring theme for us is that people need to respect linebackers. They're pretty important to having a good – uh Modern NFL defense, we used to think they didn't matter, but they clearly matter. All the we're, good defenses the,
0: have good linebackers. I know my fans are probably annoyed or listeners are probably annoyed because I could be saying, we're gonna do a long conversation on this, but we really do should do a long yeah. conversation on this. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience, recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza
2: Paid for by NHTSA.
0: Okay, uh, I'm going to say the division for my winner. The Pittsburgh Steelers uh, just ensured their 17th straight winning season under Mike Tomlin. A little complicated to get into the playoffs, so they aren't playing the Ravens, who, as we alluded, have nothing to play for, Uh, so they should be able to win that game. We'll see. Maybe not. It's not a. It's not a uh, foregone conclusion, especially given that it's a, a divisional rival. Uh, they would also need uh, the Dolphins to win, or the uh, Titans to upset the Jaguars. It's not outside the realm possibility, but I, I think what the, the only thing I want to say is this: Dominique, and this occurred to me like watching them just completely beat down Seattle. Um, they're a good football team. I, I said so before the season, I, I liked them a lot and they sort of underperformed and then, then they lost Kenny Pickett and, and whatnot, but this defense is currently seventh in DVOA. The rushing attack is good. The passing attack obviously has been lackluster, although Mason Rudolph's played well. They have good young players on both sides of the ball. This year's draft looks good. And one thing I like about the fact that they're sticking with Rudolph, which is the right choice, is it suggests that they're going to be active pursuers in the quarterback market this off season. This is a team to me that should be very aggressive about finding a quarterback because they, they really do feel a quarterback away.
1: Yeah. Um The offensive line is all that matters in the way that they ran the ball, which you pointed out, wasn't much offensive line against Seattle as much as it was um running back play. But I think when we talk about teams that are quarterback away, we're all reminded, or at least I'm reminded of what we thought about the Jets. Their offensive line is not the Jets' offensive line. But the quarterback, the type of quarterback you get in the situation that he's in uh, matters a great great deal. They moved on um, in the coordinator front. But I think the quarterback, the t- who the quarterback is, who's going to be available, maybe they look You know who shouldn't, who they should not look at is Russ, because that is a guy, as you pointed out before, is holding on to the ball. Not that he, um, he seems like he'll be available. Not that they would go that direction. But I think you put him as a winner. It's something to be optimistic about them going for a lot of young talent. This is not their year, by any stretch, being a winner uh, or being. Uh, securing a non-losing season is nice. They should be able to knock off the Ravens and maybe they get in the playoffs, maybe they don't. I don't think that matters nearly as much for them for their long term um prospects. But it is an optimistic situation uh, for a team that at certain points in the season we're talking about, or at least the fans were talking about like an overhaul or coaching staff and everything and starting all the way over. So yeah, they're they're winners this week.
0: Yeah. I, I think I was just you could have seen them like if muddling through with Pickett, and I'm not saying it's over necessarily for him, but there feels like it it does. The fact that they're sticking with Rudolph to end the season in a meaningful game. And I think that's good. I, you know, I mean, I had hoped he would take another step and he didn't and, you know, he got hurt obviously, but I think the tape was what it was and it wasn't great. Um, Okay. Let's wrap with the final loser. Uh, It's your, it's your loser. And what a um, loser he is.
1: David Tepper. I haven't had a chance to talk about him much and him throwing a drink. If fans don't know, I'm sure they do. He threw a drink on a Jags fan from his uh, oh, owner okay. suite. Yeah. So that um, that is just the last in a long line of poor decisions by uh, David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers. The team has seemingly not gotten any better positioned. Nothing about them has improved in his ownership uh, tenure. They don't seem better off from him being there. And then him throwing that drink to me is just despicable and unacceptable. So, like, I don't know what was said. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mina. No,
0: no, no, no. I was just going to say, we're taping this on Tuesday morning, Pacific Uh afternoon, they haven't said anything yet about it, and there's no indication yet. I, I'm reluctant to come out with a like, it's outrageous that the NFL hasn't punished him because we're, we're, this, by the yeah. time this comes out, something will happen. But if they don't punish him, that would be outrageous, Dominique. Yeah, I mean, the personal conduct policy says that owners are allegedly held to a higher standard. You're talking about a team whose owner was engaged in some pretty, pretty despicable behavior, and then he sold the team and made a ton of money, and that was that. Um, he did get a statue airlifted in one of my favorite videos of all time. So that was, <laughs> yeah. but the point is like, you, if you're the NFL, you got to punish him for this. Like that is yeah. a no brainer. Yeah,
1: I assume that that's going to happen at some point, but yeah, right. I don't, I think that even if he gets punished, I think it's fair to be critical of his tenure and critical of that particular moment. Just because you get punished doesn't mean that we don't have, we don't get to say how silly it was. And I think, what I realized um, in doing my show immediately after su- on Sunday night, I realized that what about it made me so angry was I, I don't want to defend the Jacksonville Jaguar fan because I don't know what they said or did. Um, I'm sure they're probably I know fans are capable of saying some really awful things, but at some point, if it's so bad, you get them removed and then you deal with that whatever comes from that, whatever um, ridicule comes from that, you get this person removed. That's a reasonable course of action. But I think, and this may be unpopular opinion, but throwing drinks or throwing stuff at people from above them in a position where they can't get their hands on you, that bothers me. I do not like doing actions that should incite a fight and then we can't fight. Because unless you are a real housewife, throwing a drink to me, or even if you are a real housewife, that is tantamount to when remember the the um the lake fight where the guy threw his hat up in the air? it was like it's time to go now throwing something at somebody means it's time to go. I don't appreciate you inciting a fight and then running running away. I would respect it more if he climbed over and did some fisticuffs if that's if you want to straighten this shit out. That just annoys me.
0: Yeah, uh I don't think that's an unpopular view, Dominique. I think most people probably share your opinion that uh okay. you know a, a owner from his vaulted security laden box should not be punching literally punching down uh I mean not literally I
1: guess
0: I guess level. the point that I was,
1: would the point the point that I was saying people might disagree with is I would have been fine if he climbed over and fought. Yeah. Like heavy.
0: if they were in the concourse, maybe it's like a different dynamic where he's yeah. at least uh, vulnerable in some ways. No, it's a perfect, a perfect like metaphor, metaphor. or like yeah. example of the disparity in positioning, uh, which this guy's given quotes that suggest uh, he is, you know, of that mindset. I, it's just man, like Dan Snyder, they got him out the paint and David Tepper said, hold my beer. <laughs> or don't hold my beer. I'm throwing my beer. Yes. But, I mean.
1: <laughs> he literally said, hold my beer on your face. <laughs> well done, Mina. Punish him. You did a mistake, but it's perfect.
0: Punish him. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's it for the, oh, by the way, uh, so Panthers fans, if you're listening and you're very sad, uh i'm doing a special edition this week in addition to the preview where uh i'm good brett coleman's joining me uh I, we can also watch it on youtube of course you can watch this on youtube but we are going to do New Year's resolutions for the worst teams in the nfl so you might think ah no one's talking mommy team anymore we will that's gonna be a tough one The resolution maybe i'll throw in a tepper aspect to that but uh We'll try to stick to football for that. Uh, Dominique Foxworth, you can check him out on the Dominique Foxworth Show. You can also check me out sometimes there, uh, wherever you get your pods. Thanks for joining, as always, bud.
1: No problem, buddy. See you.